What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. You were hello, hello. Oh, you're back. Okay. Phew. <laughs> there we go. Hello. Is it the laptop? It sounds like it's the laptop. It is, and I had the volume turned all the way down, which is why I'm standing here saying, hello, what the hell's happening? Aha. Yeah, right, well, now, now I'm looking at a gorgeous wavelength. Just, just. Oh, look at you. Practically in the peak. It's fucking awesome. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. There's some kind of meme out there, and it's, mm. oh, I know what it is. It's, it's like a Christmas tree. It comes around every Christmas, and mm. it's some kind of like sideways Christmas tree trimming decor thing. And it's like, normal people see a Christmas tree here. I see wavelengths. <laughs> I was like, that is that is every audio person ever. Because if you turn the Christmas tree sideways, it looks exactly like an audio wavelength that you have to edit. I posted something years ago. You know when you have a laptop and you are trying to connect to the Wi-Fi and it's not mm -hmm. connecting, but mm -hmm. it's just the little four lines are just going one, two, three, four, three, two, one, up and down. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was watching my laptop try to find the signal and it was, and I just looked at it and within two seconds, I suddenly went, it's color my world by Chicago. It was the exact tempo of do, 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 do. And I was like, that's my life. That's how my brain works. Thanks, Steve Jobs. Connect me so I can stop hearing Chicago. I thought for sure you were going to say do, re, me, but no, you went deep. No, right to Chicago's second album. You know what? Someone told me, and I haven't tested this theory, but they said that the, not the road braille, not the the bumps in the middle of the road <clears throat> that they put for mm -hmm. you to not cross over, but the other grooves in the road that keep you from running off the road, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Mm -hmm. They said that someone figured out how to put those grooves in the road somewhere around Arizona, New Mexico to where if you ride the groove, it will play My Country Tis of Thee. Yeah, there are several roads out in the world that play music when you ride the groove in the right place. I think that's, um, um, th that's It started, I think, in Scandinavia first. Did it? Or, you know, but that really sounds Japanese the more I think about it. Oh, I was going to say, sounds like something the Japanese Scandinavia, would be, be play all black over metal? that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's if you drive 71 and a half miles per hour, exactly. Oh, man. I wasn't even going to ask you about that, but here we are. What I was going to ask you about is Brit Floyd is going back out on the road, and they are taking with them young Harry Waters, who's not that young. I'm just teasing. Wait, who's going on the road? Brit Floyd. And I'm got, sorry. I don't know what Brit Floyd is. It's obviously some Pink Floyd offshoot. No, it's a Pink Floyd cover band. Oh, okay. Roger Waters fired his kid from his band a while back. <laughs> As one does. Yeah, why not, right? So Harry Waters plays keyboards, and after his dad shit-canned him, he, I mean, not immediately after, but this has been going on for years now. He got fired a few years ago, and then he started kind of gigging with Brit Floyd when he had the time, and, and they brought him out. And so this kind of 
hit the news cycle again when Roger Waters hit the news cycle. Um, it was mm-hmm. one of those things where, um, you know, people were mad at Roger Waters and the because of his uh, stance on Israel, and then right. the Israel Gaza conflict exploded, and somebody was. Uh, Oh, I know what it was. They released that that short film claiming that Roger Waters is an anti-Semite, and here's why. And right, they had right. old band members in it. I think you saw that. And then his son, mm-hmm. Harry Waters, came out in defense of him saying, listen, my dad's an asshole, but he's not an anti-Semite. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Right. And, and so then it hits the news cycle again about how, like, Roger Waters is such an asshole, he fired his own kid from his band. And... Yeah. According to reports at the time, Roger Waters was just like, "Yeah, no, we're good. Have you're you're out. We're done." Psst. And mm. there was no real explanation. And then, you know, everybody's like, "But then he went and played with Brit Floyd." So psh, there you go. F you, Dad. Hey, a gig's a gig, man. Yeah, he's, got, he's, he's connected <laughs> to the music. If you're in Brit Floyd, you don't even care if he's any good. You're like, I'm sorry, what's his last name? Yeah. Yes, sign him up. Come Let's on go. through, kid. We got you. We'll make some extra money. We'll we'll pay you a little more than the other guys. And so now what Brit Floyd goes out and they're like, it's Brit Floyd, BT dubs, Harry Waters is on these dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's Oh, listen, if physical graffiti could get Scarlet Page on stage, who doesn't play guitar? They'd take her. You know what I mean? It's it's just one of those things. <laughs> Scarlet Page on tambourine. That's exactly right. And cam- camera and tambourine. Uh-huh. And we'd all go. We'd be like, of course she would. She's a great and she's a great photographer. So I'd go watch her take pictures of a Led Zeppelin tribute act. Why not? (laughs) So my question here is with Harry Waters having performed with Roger Waters on his The Wall tour and Foreigner currently on their farewell tour with zero original members. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's hey, man, what says farewell (laughs) tour more than that? I mean, Brit Floyd is just as much Pink Floyd as any other Pink Floyd out there, as far as I'm concerned. Sure it is. But- it's, well, and <laughs> it's more so because I don't think Lou Graham's son is in Foreigner. I don't think Mick Jones's son is in Foreigner. Nope. So, yeah. Yeah. By the rules of 2024 tour marketing, this is basically uh-huh. a Pink Floyd reunion or farewell <laughs> or both. Well, I tell you what, it's as close <laughs> as you're going to get. So enjoy it if you can. <laughs> exactly. So uh, are the Grammys this weekend? Have you been have you been paying attention to anything oh, Grammys? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I guess the Grammys are this weekend and you know, as a metalhead, I have such a, a love-hate relationship with the Grammys for finally recognizing metal as a genre and then awarding the first Grammy to Jethro Tull and then, mm-hmm. you know, just making constant blunders in the within the category ever since. And right, now the category right. is not even presented. <clears throat> In the broadcast, so no, of course not. I turned, I soured on the Grammys, and it's you know it's a little personal, but I'll share it with you. My former rock and roll combo, mm-hmm. the Black Crows, were nominated for Best New Artist, and of course they gave it to some hack who had like a one hit wonder. I never even you never even heard her name again. It was Mariah somebody, and I was like, <laughs> come on, Are you kidding me? Best New Artist, she and she was like a total one. You know, she came, she went, yeah. she was gone. Like you can't even remember know. her last name, right? No, it's yeah. a, it's definitely a. It was Mariah. I know Mariah that. Somebody. And then Mariah, uh, from that point on, I don't know. I never. Mariah heard Gary. Mariah. Something like that. That sounds Sherry, about right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I that's when I was out. I was like, oh come on, please. Yeah. Whatever, Grammys. 
Yeah, I think I think Columbia Records budget for her first album marketing. I think I think they spent more on hair and makeup than we had for everything in our entire marketing budget for our career. So yeah. Wow. And now she has and spent the, that just way, on her worthy, shoes. And a worthy investment. There was yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it was money poorly spent, of course. <laughs> I have seen Mariah Carey's Christmas show in Las Vegas, and she, oh my. yeah, 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 it was, uh, it was not something I had intended to do. <laughs> um, in well, fact, sometimes I, the, well, well, the most fun in life is when you didn't see it coming, generally speaking. Yeah. Well, I went to Vegas to see Aerosmith, and it was, I think I've told you, we got those onstage seats, and they were amazing. You did, yeah, that's right. And... So the like I guess it was that night or the next night my friend and his husband were like well we're going to go see Mariah Carey you should come and I was like ah, I guess I mean I've never I had never seen her to that point and to be fair I mean all those people can't be completely wrong and and then we sat in like the very last row <laughs> right and bought like a bucket of wine cuz it was Vegas they sell wine by the bucket but it was good. It was fun. I mean, she's clearly talented, and she gives zero fucks anymore. Everything she does, she's just like, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, there's no there's no denying the level of talent. I mean, her voice is a, you know, there's only a handful of people you'll go like, no, that that's a real instrument. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I remember just being part of an era when you could only have one um, light-skinned black woman singing pop music, so you had to choose Whitney or Mariah because the world wasn't big enough for two of them. Right. That was. And just don't you dare back. bring up Debbie Deb because we don't yeah. have room for any of that. I mean, it's so funny. Like the We Are the World documentary, they were mm-hmm. like, "Well, we wanted Madonna, but somebody said Cindy Lauper was a better singer, so we went with her." Because no way you could have both. Yeah. In the session with 48 other people in a studio in Los Angeles in 1984. It's so funny. Like, oh, yeah, you you passed on Madonna because Cindy Lauper was for whatever reason. But, yeah, the idea yeah. that you couldn't have both. It's so funny. But anyway, I was always Team Whitney back in the day. Uh-huh. For no reason, I ever spent one second even trying to think about. It was because I didn't really care. But I was like, oh, sure. no, I prefer and then at some point it dawned on me, I was hearing some song for the one millionth time as background music. And I went, good God, that woman can sing, meaning Mariah Carey. I was like, yeah, yeah what, what do I care? She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody else just kind of had to get shoehorned in as like with whatever single they could squeeze in. Like <laughs> Sheila E, right? Sheila E, phenomenal talent, um, yeah. incredible woman. And I just fangirl all over the place about her. But she got, she had one hit. One radio hit. That was all there was room for that they could get her Did in Did you for. see the video she posted um, in the last six months, like on her Instagram, where she's at a mall? Did you see this? Oh, yeah, yeah. She was at Neiman Marcus. She Did, was in Union she, Square, and she walks up, and the DJ is playing her song, and she's like, what? Yeah, and but a dude just goes walking past her, and, uh-huh. and he's singing. And she's like, this guy's so funny. He has no idea who I am. And then the guy just goes, what's up, Sheila E? Like, right? It just keeps walking. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. It was really funny. <laughs> oh, man. I guess, you know, the Bay keeping it real. <laughs> I guess so. You can't not know who Sheila E is. But also, you know, you, you got to keep it cool because you don't want to look a fool in front of Sheila E. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 
And people just don't give her the respect she deserves because she wasn't she was a pop icon for like a hot minute and then people don't even realize that she ran Prince's band. You know, he he did well, all these tours with her and he would throw his guitar up in the air and walk away off stage and then Sheila was in charge. Yeah, I think she's fine with it because she was always a musician first and mm-hmm. and saw the opportunity and was happy to have some songs written for her and be the star for a minute. But she always approached everything from, yeah, I got a good look and I'm hot and I got this and I got that. But it's just to serve the fact that I just want to play music and this helps me continue to do that. She's a great player. Yeah, that is fair. I mean, if somebody, if, if there was something that I absolutely loved doing, like going to concerts and somebody gave me an opportunity to just look cute going to concerts and I could just go to concerts the whole time, I would 100% do that. I don't care what it would take. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You see somebody that in your mind is famous. I mean, not you personally, but, you know, we see somebody and they have a hit song. Like I remember watching before MTV existed, watching night tracks on tbs not, no, oh, I i'm sorry that. not before mtv existed but before i had mtv in my hometown that's what i mean to say same so tbs didn't get it till 86. tbs had their friday and saturday night you know six hours of videos called night tracks mm-hmm. and i would watch that and that's where i first saw like like tom waits videos they would play oh wow did they the coolest stuff in the neighborhood was on one night the first time i saw it, i was like i don't know what this is but i am so into this right now you know, I'm like in 10th grade and I just read a Charles Bukowski book and suddenly there's Tom Waits <laughs> and I'm like, I, I think that's what Charles Bukowski sounds like. It was like I made this connection in my How head. How on earth did they hit you at that niche demo of you? Yeah, perfect. It was, inc- <laughs> But then the very next video would be Human League, Don't You Want Me Baby. And oh, so, well, but you know, I'm a kid yeah. and I'm like, Human League, they must be huge. You just assume everyone's so sure. famous. Yeah. And... And there were, there were always like, I remember thinking like, why would Jimmy Page be in the firm? And why would Paul Rogers be in the firm? He was in Led Zeppelin and <laughs> he was in bad company. And what are they doing this for? Can't you just sit back and rest on your laurels <laughs> like in oh, my head? Yeah. And of course it's like, no, you can't. I and mean, then, when, and when, then you became when, a musician and we're like, why are we still yeah. playing this stuff? When John Bonham died, I mean, Jimmy wasn't 40 yet. He was still in his mid-30s. It's like, well, of course he's going to keep going, and he's not going to sit back. And, I mean, we can all have the conversation about whether or not he's been sitting back for the last 25 years, which it seems like he has. But but he stayed very active through the 80s and into the 90s. And then when Robert and he toured, you know, he was still doing stuff. But I just remember back when I was still in my teens, I was amazed. I was like, why? Why are you playing in a new band? You were in Led Zeppelin, dude. Kick back, get a hammock, eat a sandwich. But, you know, that's not how it goes. <laughs> and I'm just going to go out on the record as saying that I love to hate Radioactive so much. That song was on. Not a and fan. It, it was over and over and over. And Radioactive. Yeah. Radioactive. Stop. <gasps> that song haunted no. my dreams for years. No, and I mean, everybody, like, and even Chris Slade, who's a great drummer, you know, I mean, that band was just built to, but I mean, from the start, the firm, weirdly enough that we're talking about it, you know, they were like, well, let's just do a few projects. We'll just, they didn't have a long-term plan. And then, of course, now I look at it, I'm like, okay, Jimmy Page doesn't have a band. Paul Rogers doesn't have a band. Of course they should play music together. I mean, it's the most natural thing in the world. You're a great (laughs) singer. I'm Jimmy Page. Let's go. But, you know, when you're a kid... Like, they're probably just hanging kid, out in the same neighborhoods. 
Well, sure. Well, you know, they did the Ronnie Lane, the bassist of the faces. There was a bunch of charity gigs for him because he had multiple sclerosis and the arms gigs. And they were just, you know, everybody was on those. Jeff Beck and Clapton and Rod Stewart. Everybody loved Ronnie Lane. And then, you know, Jimmy and Paul are up there and they're like, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. All right, let's do it together then. And then off they go. Then there's the firm. Aww. I feel like we should normalize supergroups, you know, because the problem was that because they were supergroups and record labels would come in and just see dollar signs galore, they would throw yeah. all this money into a supergroup project expecting it to be massive when really, if anything, these supergroup projects should have been like little building blocks that were for more of a niche audience because that's who's going to love those things when you get those musicians together of that caliber they're kind of jamming stuff out and feeling each other out and to try and get a hit record out of a first album project from somebody like that i feel like it's just not Mm -hmm. fair yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times those things come together. It does start very innocently from jamming together and having fun. And this is what we do. We play and we go in the studio and we make music. Mm-hmm. And then it just takes one song that somebody goes, that's a hit. And then all of a sudden it's like, get a photographer. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> get nine more crap songs. We have the one we need. Let's go, you know. That is it um, in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, that's entirely what it is. And it's like, oh, this project, this hobby has now become a new band. And it's never the same. It's, yeah. I mean, even the Traveling Wilburys, if they'd been able to continue, I mean, that's the ultimate supergroup. You got a Beatle yeah. and Bob Dylan. And then right. the the also-rans are Roy Orbison and Tom Petty. I like- mean, it's still the most mind-boggling supergroup <laughs> ever to me. Had that continued, had Roy not died at the mm-hmm. age of 52, by the way. <gasps> no, was he that? He was the old man in the band. He was 52 when he died. Had they continued, especially because Jeff Lynn is also producing and overseeing it, and they just ceded all the power to him, which was really smart at that Mm -hmm. time. That's the one that could have just gone on forever to me. Like, it could have been every three years they're just going to make a record, and they'll do it all in a week. They'll just knock it out. That's the one that was just so perfectly for, for whatever, because... There was just no pretense. There was no nonsense. It was just, well, I write good songs and he writes good songs and he writes good songs. And we all just actually genuinely like each other. Hey, let's go. And they would still be around if Roy Orbison was still alive. And obviously George Harrison. And obviously Tom Petty. And obviously Tom Petty. And obviously, yeah, what am I talking about? (laughs) If no one in that band had died, they'd be confirming the sphere right now instead of the Grateful Dead. If three of the four primary members were still alive, they. by the way, <laughs> when that first record came out, if you had said, Dylan will be the last Dylan man standing, be- we would have all laughed. <laughs> I'm still laughing at this. It's happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow, the irony. Not what Crazy. I expected. All right. Well, what do you got coming up on the show tonight? A bunch of good music, oddly enough. And then I've got this, I'm thinking about decisions we make in life, the biggest decisions and the smallest, like what am I going to have for breakfast and should I buy this house or not? And how I think we should make those decisions with the same amount of thought, which is to say very little and just go with your gut. That's a theme I'm exploring on tonight's show. What could possibly go wrong?
Nothing, nothing <laughs> at all. Didn't you read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink? Just I, trust your gut, for God's sakes. I did not, but I will tell you right now that my gut is the last thing I will ever trust. I mean, well, you haven't met anyone I've dated, obviously. <laughs> well, I didn't. I, I, I'm talking about purchase. I'm talking about like whether to buy a house or not, not not whether to you know. Yeah, hang you're out talking with about things that not. cost a lot of money. Have you met anyone I've ever dated? Oh my God. <laughs> You know, it's just something that's on my mind. I'm not giving you any definitive answers. Okay. There's no judgment. I'm All just right. saying. It's one of those. Open dialogue night. I can appreciate exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. I'll hit you back at manana if everything's looking cool. Tomorrow should be fine. Well, I played a gig with a group called Golden Smog, which is a couple of members of Jayhawks and a guy from Soul Asylum and a guy from Wilco. It's like a Midwestern supergroup of the 90s. Wow. When alt-rock... All Americana slash alt rock was still just a neonate on the scene. Um, mm -hmm. That that's what that was. But we played with the Jayhawks, and they they're just friends of mine and long time. But boy, they're still great. They have so many great songs. They're. Well, I remember you guys the, touring with them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The two Conquer records Pavilion, they made. They made two records with George Draculius that Tomorrow the Green Grass stands up to me. That's as good as anybody. That's as good a record as anybody made. In the 90s, the Jayhawks and Jellyfish are two bands that I look at and go, man, people just missed these. And man, oh, they were great. Jellyfish. We've, we've had that love affair conversation. Yeah, we did. Yeah. They're the best. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, have a good one. I'll, uh, I'll talk at you tomorrow. Great. All right. Bitchin'. Late. See ya. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby at the whole school. Yeah, it just hurt me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created this show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.